1: Welcome, everyone, to another episode of The State of Love and Trust. It's a Pearl Jam podcast, and I'm one of your two hosts, and I'm joined in a different spot, as always, by... Paul Gillieri. Guys, if you couldn't tell, Paul sounds different.
2: Yes, indeed. The uh, the booth has been dismantled, Jason. We are uh, in the midst of uh, what we like to call a transition. Well, you know
1: what? And listen, we're all for our transitions on this show. However, you want to get them done, but uh, at least you have a voice,
2: which is key. Yes, this is a slight delay in our release schedule this week due to Paul's uh, failing vocal cords. So, apologies to the good listener for uh, not not bringing the A game these days.
1: Well, fortunately, um, <laughs> this is. Um, a more casual episode, we are doing a mailbag from you, the valuable listener. um And it's across the social media platforms that we asked y- y'all to send questions about the band, about other bands, about life, blah, 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 blah. So we're going to go through some of those and then we'll do our lyric and live cut of the week. Before we do, of course, um thank you for being here. Thank you for listening week in, week out. If you're new, if you're old, All of the patrons that we have, we really appreciate that links in the bio. If you want to help out and join the show, um, t-shirt buying people, I've seen some of you with the new one. You look gorgeous. I have to say you look gorgeous. And, uh, yeah, that's all the housekeeping really, Paul.
2: Well, except for one thing. And and, then feeding the algorithm, Jason,
1: possibly the most important,
2: the most important rating, reviewing and subscribing on your platform your podcast platform of choice i should say.
1: All right, well, let's start off then Paul with the first question that i've got here. And Paul doesn't know these questions. They're all he's he's coming in blind. <laughs> I have assembled all of them in a list here and we're going to go through them. The first question comes from Shelby on Instagram, Shelby Rizzy. And the question what's kind of a softball sort of I figured we start us off on an easier question. Favorite Pearl Jam concert memory
3: oh boy Uh, um i'd say there's 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 two that come
2: to mind immediately
3: Mm
2: -hmm. um three i should say so i the the first was buying the um the the little pearl jam onesie from the uh the back the the lightning bolt tour i bought that outside the uh sports arena you hid it from me too i did hide it from you yeah that was a casual way of uh introducing my daughter to pearl jam so she actually came home in that onesie uh and then oh no no my son came home in it many years later she didn't come home but it's the first thing she wore at home outside of the little dress that she wore. second memory would be uh seeing them halloween night in uh mountain view i think it was mm-hmm. 99 or or 2000 i forget which year it was now that at the shoreline where they did the bridge school mm-hmm. this was not a bridge school show but i'll never forget that they they dressed up as the village people so uh, i remember that that very very well and here in black for the first time played live <clears throat> and which was like my my you know it was the big dream for me at the time i was like i gotta hear black and i got him <clears throat> and i did um and then uh, of course now it's like a staple but wasn't always the case <laughs> And uh, obviously, you know the, the much highly booed uh, tam- tambourine moment that highly booed. Uh, yes, indeed, <laughs> indeed. Well, you, we, you
1: mentioned the, the tambourine moment uh, on the Nicole Alvarez interview, but for those who may have not listened to that episode just a few weeks ago, briefly, what what happened?
2: Uh, we were at the show, had floor seats, and uh, well, not really seats, but we we were on the floor. We were all wearing the uh, state of love and trust podcast t-shirt mm-hmm. so you uh your wife andrea myself my wife tara and uh eddie spotted the four of us with the shirt Like how and you're they,
1: gesticulating uh, past, yeah, exactly, past your yeah, exactly. cameras if anybody can see <laughs> you but me
2: <laughs> and uh you know he pointed at uh at my wife he was like yeah yeah the shirt the shirt the chick with the shirt i like the shirt and uh you know toss the tambourine and uh we,
1: we still have it i'll tell you what we are kind of dopes because we did not bring an extra shirt like in our belt buckle and toss it to him that would have been the yeah. promo move and we mm. completely forgot about yeah, that we,
2: we did drop the ball there
1: that's all
3: right next time <laughs> next time we'll next have time. options for him um my favorite concert memory hmm i mean it's it's got to be meeting ed i would guess right um
1: Yeah, I guess I'll go with that. 2006 uh, at the forum here. Speaking of the forum in Los Angeles, um, I don't recall if it was night one or night two, to be honest with you, but I went with a friend of mine whose really, really close friend is um, Tim Robbins, the actor's niece. Mm -hmm. Tim Robbins knows Ed quite well. In fact, opened for him on the Vote for Change Tour two years prior in 04. And... uh, it was um, Tim's niece's birthday. And so on the boot, you'll hear uh, Ed dedicate Rockin' on the Free World to her, say happy birthday, Chelsea. And he gave her the signed tambourine. But I got to go backstage after the show and, and yeah. talk to him. And I was the only one who wasn't like, mm-hmm. like I actually spoke words. It was, it was wild. Um, so that was probably number mm-hmm. one,
2: I would say. The, the, there's no way that you would have uh, <laughs> lost your composure. <compulsion>. God. <laughs>
1: Listeners of a long, long time ago will recall why you just said that. Yeah. But anyways, all right, next question from Von Chair, Von Chara, hope I'm pronouncing that correctly on Twitter. What is Eddie Vedder drinking while doing concerts? It looks like a wine bottle, but I'm not sure. Do you guys
2: know? Well, I don't know the varietal or if it changes in your show. (laughs) It it is a bottle of red though um mm-hmm. of course the the prevailing theory is that uh it's not actually filled with wine there's that just because sometimes he goes there's two of those things to show or more and there's no way you're you're downing not every night 12 plus glasses of wine that often and campaign and, you know uh, maintaining your composure up there and Jumping around, hanging on stuff, not falling over like a blubbering mess.
1: <laughs> well, to be fair, he is a, a drunken, blubbering mess sometimes. So maybe, maybe it is a couple of bottles of wine sometimes, but other times, as other people have mentioned, maybe it's like a bottle of wine and a bottle of Gatorade.
2: Yeah. Which would you make know. more sense.
1: Yeah. That would be, that's, that's, a, that's a lot of wine.
3: But you it's know, a lot who of sugar, knows?
2: man. It's a lot of sugar well, see, too, It's right. like forty-eight grams of sugar in just one, you know, one little, little bottle. It's also the first ingredient in that. Anyway, we're getting the sidetracked. In sugar or Gatorade? <laughs> Gatorade?
1: I mean, I mean, in wine and Gatorade. Uh, Gatorade. Well, oh, yeah, of course, it's sugar water. Yeah. Um. So we think it's mostly wine, but it, there's probably some sort of like you know, uh, from Pedro in Brazil. Here's one for you. Now I'm, I'm gonna um. I'm gonna uh, tag this question with some new sort of news after I ask it. What if Dave Grohl instead of Jack Irons had replaced Dave Abrasese back in? Well, I guess it wouldn't have been '94 because they were still a band at the time. Oh uh, no!
3: I guess I guess that would have been you have been technically available. Well, that is a one heck of a what if. Basically, the, what that's saying is
1: is that. Uh, because, what's his face? He, he um, what's his face? Jesus Christ, Jason. Kurt dies uh, in April of '94, and they lose. They 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 drop Dave in the summer of '94. So theoretically, it's possible from a timeline perspective. Right? <clears throat> okay.
2: How does things? How do things change if they go with Dave Grohl? Oh man, I think that there's a power dynamic shift there because. Dave is uh he's, he's, he's an interesting personality in the sense that he, in a lot of ways, he, he's a hybrid of so many of these attributes that we see from all of Pearl Jam's rubbers. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> he's almost like this aggregate in a lot of ways, while at the same time being so very uniquely himself. Um, I think that there would have been a stronger songwriting dynamic with Dave sitting, on that stool I, I i can i can foresee you know just a lot of what we see with matt but far more frontal in the sense that dave probably is picking up a guitar a handful of times a shell you know there's a there's a few pearl jam songs that that dave is on a guitar um in the recording studio you, mean you know matt? There's, 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 no i mean if dave was, was oh, if dave, yeah, 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 right sure. exactly i i could foresee um you know a handful of songs per record where Dave actually sings as, as opposed to just being part of like this backing accompaniment, you know, he was
1: always, I don't know if you read um, his book, the storyteller, but he was always kind of playing music as a kid, like all, all kinds of instruments. I mean, obviously he played drums and he played for scream and then he, you know, found his way into Nirvana, but as a drummer, of course, but he was always kind of like playing on some like cheapo guitar that his parents got for him. And, and, writing shitty songs as he put it and right. obviously that became a real thing once he had the time post um post nirvana and you know bunkered himself away in seattle and recorded that first lp by himself but i wonder if there's too much too much
2: personality there well there you is know? that that's what i mean i yeah. i mean it there would have been a power dynamic shift that i just don't know it would have been sustainable That, that
1: would have been it could have been interesting but i don't know that it would have would have worked
2: it probably doesn't for for longer than a single tour or they needed
1: needed somebody that was happy to sit back and just be a glue as opposed to another like strong minded
2: force right and then there was also the criticism you know that was directed at pearl champs way. From um, from from all three members of Nirvana, so I, mm. I'd be hard I'd be hard pressed to see, you know, Dave stepping into that as a, a way yeah. of coping with that grief, and then you know being able to just com- compartmentalize some of those things, and then like ha- ha, you know fitting in with that that right. style of music at the time. Now, what's interesting is like, what kind of an album do we get, even if it was just a one off, because it's definitely not no, no Code. No, it's not.
1: That then that, that's probably why. He he couldn't come in because he, well, okay, we, we obviously don't know and we can't say for sure. And this is 25, 27 years ago. But um what I will say that's weird, thinking back on it now after Taylor's death and just how it, it seems like there's some one-way traffic as far as public admiration goes. Like all the guys in Pearl Jam were like, oh my God, we love Taylor. The Foo Fighters guys are great, yada, yada, yada. But you've I don't think I've ever heard Dave say publicly anything positive, not or negative, about the guys in Pearl Jam outside of Matt
2: Cameron. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. I don't know. Why um, is that? I don't know. I mean, it's makes makes you kind of wonder what some of those dynamics would have been like. But I mean, you know, you go back to the recording of No Code and, you know, Eddie later reflecting that it was difficult. Doing so much of that lifting on his own, and Mm -hmm. how he appreciated the the process with yield, where there was just a little bit more um, collaboration. Mm -hmm. And I think Dave's the kind of artist that would have stepped in immediately and pushed for that level of collaboration. You know what I mean? I think Mm -hmm. he would have filled a little bit of that vacuum that Eddie essentially felt, either compelled to fill, or was was driven, or 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 felt um, entitled to. To fill i i I don't know what what the the, we see the dynamic shifts but no one has ever necessarily talked about whether or not it was a natural organic transition into that or Mm -hmm. whether or not it was forced or whether or not you know eddie just made an executive decision and just started asserting himself more but i could see dave doing that i could see dave with his personality potentially Kind of saying, okay, let, let's let's do this, you know.
4: He's instead also instead of be, being the glue that
2: holds it together, kind of taking on more of a directorial role.
1: Yeah. And and you know, the Dave of ninety-four-95 isn't the same Dave as you know the last 15-20 years, where very he's true. been much more um direct and focused and um uh, strong-willed, let's say, and, and and have that captain's hat on. He was very much like happy to be the drummer happy to let the songwriting come from kurt and chris um to a lesser degree of course um and was not reluctant to write those songs for the first Foo fighters but like hey i've got stuff to do and i've got these songs so i'm just gonna do them for for myself so maybe he at the time doesn't have the ego or doesn't have the the drive to be th- you know the lead voice, and maybe it is a natural. It could have. Who knows? Maybe it could have worked. I don't know. But what I find interesting is, <clears throat> is now the Vegas odds or some some articles that came out last week that some of you may have read puts Matt Cameron as the odds-on favorite to be the number one touring drummer for Foo Fighters this year,
2: which is just crazy to me to think at what matt had been expressing recently about the fatigue and the toll that some of this takes i can't imagine him taking that type of of, um that type of a gauntlet Mm. where you know he's gonna do this and then perhaps very quickly find himself on the road again for pearl jam in the next anywhere you know 12 to 18 months so it's stay healthy matt i mean they've got (laughs) that heart strong
1: if you check their Instagram or their Twitter, they are pumping out dates. Like they probably have fifteen dates already across the summer, across Europe, across South America, across America. They're all festival dates. Um, but the scuttlebutt is is they're going to hit like a proper U.S. late summer tour as well. And they're they're saying it's going to be like maybe maybe two guys, maybe maybe Matt is one A and then one B is I'm I'm blanking on the name
2: that that I think is more manageable. Um, where he where he comes in, you know. And then it does Which a is,
1: portion of the, That's kind of weird too, though, you know,
3: and oh, to you have two different a, Well, I mean, personally, like I'm rooting for
2: it just, just because I think it'd be a nice closure to some of the, the media driven controversy that was being fueled by some of those comments that Matt made that were oh, taken out of context. You know? I, forgot I about I, that. I think, yeah. I think it would be, it would be nice. I think for, for those guys to get on stage. I wonder if he together.
1: feels compelled to. To to that, Uh, because he really did love her
2: so much. That's part of it, maybe, but I think more so is is it only happens if Dave asks, right?
1: And you know what? I wonder if if Matt does do these dates. I wonder if he looks at it as like a uh, I'm only going to do it for this summer. I'm gonna I'm gonna do I'm gonna help you guys out on like you know ten dates across this summer uh, as my way of like just I love you guys. I want to help you out, and I know you guys got to get back on your feet, and maybe I can be a bridge for you. So in that, if that, if that's the case, okay. But like, and unless it's not Pearl Jam, it's not like he has a stake in that in the same way. No. So I, I can't see it going past this year. If you were to do it, um, I, oh, still, no. yeah, I still, I still contend know. that Josh freeze is the best choice, but that maybe he's busy. I don't know. Right.
4: I, I don't
2: think this portends to anything beyond yeah. just stepping in here for sure. But I have to say, uh, for a mailbag episode, but pretty cool to 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 squeeze in uh, one of our our uh, typical segments. So
4: kudos. Oh, to, what
1: if? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, this one's a lot easier. I think this is from Travis uh, Travis Hal from on Facebook. Favorite whiskey or bourbon? I oh, guess bourbon boy. is whiskey, but so basically, Whoa. what's favorite
2: whiskey? My favorite bourbon would probably be Jefferson Reserve. Um, not the Jefferson, not, not you know, the ocean brand where they bring it to all four <laughs> oceans just to have it swirl around so much. It's such a gimmick, but uh, Jefferson Reserve is a solid bourbon, probably one of my favorites. I'd say my favorite scotch, ah, oh, god, that's so hard to pinpoint. Just one big fan of the Dawn 15. I love, I love, uh, Kalia 18, great mm-hmm. bottle as well. Ah, it's too made in a name.
1: <clears throat> There's the guys if you were ever so lucky to to find yourself uh, next to Paul's uh, what would you call it a a chest a <laughs> uh, a credenza of scotch Yeah, it's, essentially. It's, <laughs> it's glorious and um yeah the the drams be coming let's just say that i i've got a few bottles in the house um none of which currently are what i was if you get said hey one choice for a scotch i'm going lagavulin 16 um kind of a choice kind of a staple for me yeah. uh, you can get it at costco too by the way you can and um but i mean i i go all over the map uh as far as bourbons concerned i really enjoy four roses Ooh. um angel's envy is a good choice too i yeah. think um all right next one next one next one from monkey gone to kevin on instagram if you could own any piece of Pearl Jam memorabilia, what would it be?
3: Oh, God. Man, that's a really good question. Any piece, huh? Any piece.
1: <clears throat> and I, I suppose you
2: could... a jacket? <laughs> that'd be pretty <laughs> cool. Know. There's
1: something in a Hard Rock Cafe
3: glass yeah, probably,
2: encasement yeah. right now. What about the uh, the brick background from 10?
3: Yeah, well, I wonder where that is. I don't know. Right. <laughs> Hmm. I want
2: the I want the sheep.
3: <laughs> <laughs> that sheep is long gone.
1: That sheep, that sheep, that she, gone. That sheep was a rack oh, at some point. Well,
2: then um, I want uh, you know uh, a nice uh, throw made out of the wool. <laughs> something I don't something know. Something
1: from that damn sheep. <laughs> something from that damn sheep. I'll tell you what I I know my, my answer is it's very it's very easy my piece of memorabilia is the poster for my first show that I've, that I have yet to get. Yeah. I, that is, I that will. is
2: the, uh, that, that is the Holy grail for you, Jason.
1: Dude, the, the the last time I checked espresso beans, um, somebody had it on there and they had just lowered their price. their asking price to $4,000. Won't pay that <laughs> at least not right now in my life. But like, I'm like, like how the hell, because time is not my friend in this situation. I don't think, how do I somehow like maybe there's some shit that I can sell that like, I don't really need or that maybe I thought I needed at some point, but I actually don't, but that's actually worth some money. Like, what can I do to like make some really irrational decision to buy this poster? Because it's, it's people might say, oh, it's so dumb. It's just a, it's just a poster, man. It doesn't do anything for you. It's not like an experience. It's not like going to Spain or something or going someplace that you really want to go to having experience. I, I agree. Normally, an experience trumps a thing, right? But in this case, this post represents so much about who I am as a person, my musical history, my connection to the band. Like, There's so much going on here that, for me, a a decent check and change is worth it, but not $4,000, but maybe there's some dollar amount somewhere south of there that's... But like, that's, that's the thing. If I could somehow get that at some point, I'd be a very happy boy.
2: Yeah. I mean, we have a replica of this, but the original, uh, Mama Son cassette.
1: Well, no, I don't, I don't know who has that, if it's stone or Ed or who has that, but it's, uh, I think in Pearl Jam 20, doesn't stone pull it out at some point
2: from his basement? <laughs> well, the, the box set comes with like a little replica. No, I know. Cassette, I like the right? real
1: one though. The real one I think comes from uh, this I think stone shows it off. I th- you're right. I
2: think he does. I think he does.
1: That would be something else. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think one day there's gonna be an estate sale for Stone Gosford, God rest his soul, in like 30 years, 40 years. Um
3: and you know what? You could have the chance. <laughs> Go for it. Yeah. All right. Um it cost
2: me my uh my I need to take out a line of home equity on those.
1: <laughs> anything else that comes more a little more reasonable
3: that you you could you would want or not? Ah, a bit more reasonable. Um Man, memorable. It's
2: tough because it, it has. Is it like something worn or used?
3: I mean, I guess it's up to you.
2: Time.
1: I mean, theoretically, yeah. you could. Uh, is it a sign? Not, not necessarily a played, but like a signed guitar. You now they do those, those amazed deals every once in a while, and it's like a, it's a signed Telecaster that's brand new from Fender or whatever. Like that could be I, something. I mean, or
2: you know, we we've talked to some folks who have uh, actual set lists. From those are pretty cool. Know, those are pretty yeah. cool. We yeah. might have one of those. That'd be pretty neat. How about the set list from your first show? <clears throat> that would be cool.
1: Yeah. That would be cool. Or or the uh, the Halloween show,
4: which is one of yeah. your first,
1: if not the first, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, let's do... This one should be easy, Paul, because we've actually done a whole show on it, but maybe people haven't listened to that one, which was like 100 shows ago. Um, this is from and underscore Wicklund on Instagram. Who is your favorite drummer? Pearl Jam drummer.
2: Oh my God, this you know, it's it's tough because I have a, a special place in my heart for all of them for different reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, some of my favorite drumming is that drumming on ten, and that that's Dave Kruzen. You know, mm-hmm. uh, really, really love what um, this is
1: where Paul Dave... caveat's everything by saying nice, something nice about everybody. That's
2: a yeah, well, Matt Chamberlain's
1: know, that... three weeks were incredible. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, Dave A. It's, 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 that's, that's a tough act to follow. And, uh, I really love the way that, um, Jack did not try to follow it. I think he, he marched to the beat of his own drum, so to speak, pardon the pun. And, uh, he added this very eclectic, uh, nuanced world beat, um, variation to these compositions that I don't think we, we had ever seen and probably never will see again. So that there's a, a just a unique pocket in the catalog that we can attribute to to Jack being authentic to himself and him not trying to to kind of blend his style in to what had made the band so so big. And I think that was a, that was a tough decision, you know, to say, well, do I do I amend my style just because this is what's made them so big? Um, I liken it to what Brendan O'Brien did, where he he did the remix of Ten, but he wanted to keep the the reverb with it and say hey you know what like that was the sound that people fell in love with so you know, i don't want to remix this album put it back out there and then it's this brand new sounding album that you know is made in in the eyes and in the vision of what the band intended but at the same time like it doesn't fit what people connected with so let's just you know let me just remaster and remix both um and i think jack did a great job of kind of harnessing what made pearl james music special without necessarily compromising the integrity of who he is as a drummer and it goes without saying that you know matt cameron is the staple you know what i mean but he he is the best in all of those drummers he he brought the stability that jack was able to bring he brought the musicianship of, of really all of of, of what, what made dave special i think um and he was he's so special in the studio in, in ways that I thought Dave Cruson was, was, was so unique on, on that first record. So <clears throat> I think, and, and, and there's that calmness, you know what I mean? Mm. Um, at least that, for, from what we see of, of Dave Cruson now, you know, obviously he was in the midst of some turmoil initially. So that's uh, it, it. The chalk answer is Dave, A., right.
3: Mm. Um, yeah,
2: but, but, but I would say that
1: uh, you're going full fairly Dickinson right now and not, not going shock.
2: It's so hard because um, I think Matt, because he, there's so much more that he contributes to the band musically. I feel like, like Dave's contributions as a drummer are superlative. And um, in that respect, the most, the most direct answer to the question would be, well, well, my favorite drumming is from Dave. Dave a., but at the same time uh what what Matt was able to contribute musically has enhanced the um quality I think of of all the, the subsequent records that I don't think Dave would have been able to do and that's not a, a knock on Dave it's just they they're two different kinds of musicians so I think you know Matt's bringing so much more to the table as far as um you know demos and and, and you know picking up a guitar and bringing vocals into the fold and things like that so I would say Matt just because I I appreciate how much Pearl Jam continues to evolve. And I think that he plays a signature role in that.
1: It's a tough question because who's your favorite drummer? It's like, okay, just being a drummer or drummer as in another part of a band, another member of a
2: band. So for me, it's two different answers based on the context.
1: Yeah. I I see that. If, If, if you're forcing the question through both of those filters, band member and and just drummer drumming. I think I'm with you on the Matt train um for everything you just said. Now pure drumming I'm probably on Epersis. Um most of us got into the band even after the fact because of the records and the tours that he was a part of. Yeah. Um and so that, that sound, that style mm-hmm. is ingrained in your head um, and we'll never know what his contributions could have been down the line. So it's a little unfair to Dave because in Jack, because right, of how limited yeah. he, both those guys were um, the, the, just the, 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 um, the sample size ain't there. That's uh, but when you think That's about fair. Matt and even if you don't hold the last 23 years of material, up against the other nine years of material, fair, we've had twenty three years of material and tours. And I don't know that it happens without a guy as talented and as a good person and band member as Matt seems to be. So mm-hmm. selfishly, I'd have to say, Matt, because of what we've been able to have. and and with that goes a tip of the cap to Jack for carrying the baton for a couple of years from Dave to yeah. Matt. So it's a group answer. It's a tough thing to answer. And we, we talk about way more in depth on the episode God forever ago. Um but that's 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 the short ish answers. I think we both kind of lean to Matt with an asterisk.
2: I, I think one of these days we're gonna have to like catalog every one of these episodes and just put them up somewhere. So you could say, hey, you know, episode 123, you'll hear us talk about blah. You Oh, know? man. Um, we
1: got to hire an intern that can go back and catalog everything. <laughs> I don't have the time for that. Uh, okay, next question comes from give to yield on Instagram. What Pearl Jam song stops you in your tracks, no matter how many times you've heard it?
2: Well, I mean... I can only wax poetically about black as, I know right <laughs> as much as I have, but uh, aside from that, it stops me in my tracks. Like I I guess that means like, like you I'm still hear moved it by somewhere
1: it. and and just like you're not you're not turning yeah. it off. You're not turning you're not changing the channel on serious, you're not uh skipping it. Uh you know, maybe your iPod's on shuffle or your iPhones on Shuffle or Spotify's on Shuffle, something like that, and you hear that song and you go, I'm listening to it, got to can't mm.
2: skip it. But probably immortality, nothing man and black would, Mm. would would be that trifecta there for me. I think
1: this is a hard question because I go through phases where I'm just, I'm, I'm not going to say not interested, but I'm like, I'm, I'm fine. Not hearing that for, I like it to this. I'm a huge Seinfeld fan and I will, I will watch the series front to back every episode. Chronologically, it'll take like, you know, six months to do, but I'll do it, and then I won't watch the show at all for like four to five years, and then I'll do it again.
2: And I, was, I used to do that with Three's Company.
1: Really, Three's Company? Yeah, yeah. yeah Come yeah. on, knock on my door. Yeah, oh God, um, I still love it. Yeah, so I kind of there's a bit of that for me on some of the stuff. Now it's it's not as strong though because I don't listen to the the studio records nearly as much as a random concert. Like randomly last week, I was like scrolling through, like, You know what? I don't think I've listened to the two um, two thousand Seattle shows in forever. In the first one, maybe not ever. And so I went. I went and I played those two shows back to back. Obviously, the the second show has the return of Alive, and there's a whole bunch of catharsis going on across both those shows. Um, but just reliving that was kind of cool. So I kind of go from boot to boot, sort of thing. But if the studio albums are on,
3: and I hear. I'm trying to think of what songs I just won't skip. um it's almost easier the other way around, which ones i I had no problem skipping. But honestly, it's probably this is hard. Stop me in my tracks. Stop me in my tracks.
2: It, funnily enough, I think it, it's breath for you. I think it's breath for you
3: that you know what? That's
1: a great. I was gonna <laughs> say. The single version of flow. I love that version of that song. Oh yeah, where he starts um, off. But bre- anytime Breath comes on, I'm listening to
4: it
3: for sure. Yeah. So I'll go with that. I'll go with Breath. Fuck it. All right. Next question from Ritorico on Twitter: Why do you
1: guys think the band is again mostly relying on Eddie to write lyrics for the songs? Of course, he's a great songwriter, but by No Code, it felt like we were viewing through eddie's views but by having the other members write songs for yield the view was widened again Give the pardon uh his english a little bit there i was kind of reading verbatim no but i think no, no. what he's saying I, is you understand what he's saying right i do yeah
2: i, I think okay. what, what what we have to bear in mind is something stone said recently in an interview where he he said that eddie is his muse and he writes for eddie i think that it's. In some ways, much of the music that they produce is with Eddie, Eddie's voice as that instrument in mind and giving him the platform to produce lyrics. Um, I mean, Jeff is, is a little unique in the sense that he will oftentimes come with, with something more finished. But <clears throat> for the most part, I, I feel like a lot of the music that Eddie contributes lyrics to... It was designed that way and uh and and it's because they feel that that's the way to bring out the best in him as opposed to you know something like with inside job where mike Mm -hmm. does it all but then ed just picks up the mic and sings somebody else's lyrics uh and and that was a successful venture but how many times have we seen that play out you know what i mean there's a couple of songs with jeff and there are there you know there's there's a few here and there with some of the other band members but. It, by and large. Go ahead.
1: No, I was just gonna say it, it's not actually that often that the lyrics are not written by Ed. I mean, look at if you go back to um it's it starts obviously in no code. The first song lyrically not written by Ed is Mankind. Um and don't give me no lip from that session. And then in it's 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 four songs. There's more on Binaural, there's um some more on Riot Act, and then Avocado comes around, and it's only inside job. Every other song is Ed. Backspacer is entirely Ed. Lightning Bolt is entirely Ed. But on Gigaton, there are three songs lyrically written by other guys: Matt, Jeff, and Stone. I don't know that there's necessarily a a conscious effort to exclude the other guys' lyrics.
2: I mean, with all the respect to them, he he he's he just he's. How do I say this? He's just better at it than they are. He's prolific. Exactly. In in the same way that Ed would probably say, uh, don't put a bass in my hands because that's Jeff's wheelhouse, Wheelhouse, you know?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's, the songs that are written lyrically by other guys that get on records are the ones that all of them think are the best. And so if I bet you at some point when we're like, you know, 60, there's going to be a 40th anniversary of Gigaton that comes out with like 17 extra songs or maybe there's a Lost Ducks 2 in like five years that has a bunch of songs that came from the sessions that, hey, they, they were... I mean, look at, look at Get It Back. That's all right, Matt. Yeah. So there's yeah. there's stuff in the cutting room floor that written by the other guys. It just so happens that what everyone agrees are the best 10 to 12 songs that go on the record are these. And if Ed writes the lyrics for 11 of those 12 or all 12, then so be it. I, I don't think the guys think in a way or ed thinks in an egotistical kind of way like these are the best songs because i wrote them because we have the receipts of other albums i think it's just whatever they are feeling for that recording session that fits that record gets on it regardless of who wrote it all right uh next question from static attic 80 what's your favorite bass and drum line combo from any track
2: Oh, man. Um, I have an
3: easy answer for that.
2: I mean, Jeremy is pretty solid there. Um,
3: th- this might sound weird, but uh, the opening to uh, Father Son is is pretty cool. It's something. Well, I mean, it's, it's yeah, all right, fine. It's okay.
1: <laughs> um, I like the attempt. I like the attempt. The attempt, that's fair. Let's see. I do love a good bass and drum uh, heavy like section. that Like, like a driving force of a song, I mean, which is why Jeremy works so well.
2: Is, that's a good one. That's a pretty standout.
1: I'll tell you mine. M- mine is by far Why Go. Okay, That driving okay. beat and then the 12 string. Yeah. I mean, that combination is just you hear that at any point and I'm bouncing immediately. It's it's just
3: phenomenal. Yeah. I'm with you there. All right. Next one, next one, next one from uh, Matt Behan
1: on Instagram. Why did Pearl Jam waste the D side on the gigaton vinyl?
2: <laughs> well, what do you want on it? I mean, if you're if you're going, you know, the the heavy, thick vinyl there. You're it's,
1: out of tracks. You're, you're out of tracks. What are
2: you gonna do? Yeah, you're. You're. I mean. What could they put on it? Well, I think there was that prevailing theory that, like the the spine of the album, lent the you know it gave the impression that there was a a, a there'd More, be a double yeah. album that there'd be a mm-hmm. complimentary piece that matched it. Um. That there, there were some, and I bet you one of these days it'll come out that that was in the works, and they just kind of like
1: put the kibosh on it. Yeah. Yeah. I
3: I wouldn't be surprised.
1: Um, well, I mean. <clears throat> even still, even if that's the case, you still got two vinyls that only three of the four sides are used. Now, on the fourth side, there was like what three or four different sayings that were etched on it that you might have gotten. I don't remember m- what mine was, but uh, yeah, like what would you what would you put on it? What what would you? I mean, again, that'll cost money to etch the other side. They're saving money by only etching the one side.
2: It could just be a a third book just reading the lyrics from the whole
1: album. <laughs> oh, man. I'm sorry, Matt. <laughs> I'm going to answer for you on that one. I think they're just trying to save money. There's no reason to put anything on it. Uh, from Lucan321 on Instagram, what are the odds that of the earth ever gets an official studio release? I don't
2: see it happening at this point. I say I 2%. Yeah, I mean, I, I say that because it's so long ago now. Yeah. I think if that was gonna happen, your best shot was avocado or backspacer and it didn't show up on either one. Maybe lightning bolts. I'm
1: gonna I'm gonna revise my my percentage. I'm gonna say 35%. And the reason why I say that really? yes is because that song was conceived before Lost Dogs. And there were songs on Lost Dogs that were purely like demo-ish or like rough mixes from the early albums that never saw the light of day on, on a b-side on anything mm. right um even even like brother he didn't hear and until it's redux right and in, in, in the other way around so like maybe of the earth that they ever do a lost dogs to maybe, maybe they take the recording from either was the avocado or backspace or like both albums they they recorded a version of it so that's why i say 35% And that 35% is all depending on if they do another Lost Dogs.
2: I'm going to take the under.
1: (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. From Oh, another question from Travis on Instagram this time. Did hearing the Gigaton songs live change your opinion of them? If so, was it hearing them in bootlegs for the first time or hearing them in person that changed your mind?
2: I didn't have that infallible moment. Where I heard a song that just didn't connect that I didn't connect with. Oh, so Invalid worked,
1: worked less for you live or more? for No, you live?
2: it worked better live. Live oh, I just see. punched okay. me in the stomach. You know, right. I just felt the thump in the chest, and it it, it really crushed. I don't get that it's too uh, trebly. I think on the album that they're they're playing around with effects too much there. Um, I feel like with Gigaton it was the the other way around. Uh, it, it's an effects in, heavily produced rock record in, in some respects not every track but um you, you think of a song like um you know seven o'clock for example mm-hmm. I, I don't like the sense on that and i can i really can't hear them live they're really over you know they're it's just round out song, you know bro. it's more of a rock song so i i think i i prefer hearing it live i think that that's that'd be the first example so it's kind of the reverse of what what I experienced with Lightning Bolt.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's I'm not a huge fan of 7 O'Clock in general, but I think it's definitely better, if not just more tolerable, for me at least, um, live. I can get through it. There's a little bit more ferocity um, in the way Ed sings it live, too, that I appreciate. I would say that most of the album works quite well live.
2: It does. I, and, and I and like... I'll,
1: I'll...
3: Go ahead.
2: No, I was just going to say that I, you listen to that record, and you're thinking of you know
3: the the um, the aura,
2: the swells of retrograde. You're thinking mm. of the um, the tone and the atmosphere of of uh, all right. You know, um, you're thinking how the heck is dance going to translate life? So, I, I would say of all the records I've heard in recent memory, this is the one that I was most interested to hear live.
1: Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. And I will say that now that you mentioned all right, um, I'm pretty sure I heard it live. I'm not sure what show it was. Cause I, you know, we, we were lucky enough to have a number of shows in the area between Ohana Fest in the, in the first leg of that tour. So I think we've heard just about every song, obviously comes and goes, not a part of that, but I think we've heard pretty much everything other than, and that song. Um, But if you listen to All Right on the Boots, and especially our um, live cut of the week, which if I can go back, is Oklahoma City, September 9th. I'm sorry, September 20th. Uh, That one is really cool. And I was pleasantly surprised at how much I loved the spaciousness of that one. Um, I think Buckle Up has a similar sense and I think Dance of the Clairvoyance I was obviously my initial reaction was like what the fuck this is not what is this and then we heard the Black Circle cover you know like the next day and I, I remember messaging you like this is how it should sound this is great and then when we get to finally hear it live it's like for me it's like that level of great but then multiplied by Pearl Jam and you got Josh in there doing the the, the all the good stuff in the back end and looping ed's vocals and the whole like it so that like threw it to another level so i was pleasantly surprised i think i for the most part i enjoyed the, that record um more live um even the songs that i don't care for too too much um are definitely enhanced so mm-hmm. yeah it's it positive right for sure all right a couple more here from Kyle mm-hmm. and Scully on Facebook, if you could both make a set list each with, let's say, 23 songs, what songs would you pick and why? Now, we've already done a an episode where you make a set list, um, and we told Nicole Alvarez we were going to do another one. So, we're not going to do all 23. But No, let, 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 let's pick what out a Magnificent Seven. Fire. How about that?
4: What's yeah,
2: that? yeah, let's do a, a magnificent seven apiece. How about that?
1: Okay, so we'll just go back and forth. You, how about this? You start it, and I'll do the second song. You do the third song. We'll just kind of tag team something real quick.
2: Okay. What we uh, with? Well, black for sure.
1: No, 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 in order, in order.
2: Oh, okay. Uh, well, I mean, I, I wouldn't care what order they were playing black. on, and then the show's here. So black for sure. Um, would love to hear. Uh, no, but give, uh, give me the opener. Give me the
1: opener. We're gonna go
2: in order. Oh, I thought I'm just trying to think of seven. Come on! If I have to, then sequence what are we opening them on with? top of that. Um, oh gosh, we're opening with um...
1: Jeopardy theme. Jeopardy theme.
3: Yeah, right. Um,
1: it's not like the I... only cellist ever, but like you're just picking a cellist.
2: All right, we'll open with uh, "Of the Girl." How about that?
1: Love it. Uh, that changes my next song. <laughs> I was going to say Break or Fall," but we can't do back to back. Point and roll. I'm going to go with "Go" next.
2: Okay, uh, let's do. After we go, let's jump
3: into um, giving a fly. I like it. Okay, from there we'll go with state of Love and trust.
2: Nice, can't leave the namesake out, right? Nope. Mm-hmm. No. Um, okay, super blood wolf
1: I like it. Uh, we will go
3: with you are nice way back. um okay let's go unthought note next uh even flow okay um severed head damn it <laughs> let's that next. uh let's do um tremor christ Ooh, okay uh let's slow it
2: down just a tad here wma
1: Ooh, okay. <clears throat> so from there, let's keep it down with all
2: right. Ooh, perfect. Nothing, man, right after that.
3: Ooh.
2: Or all you right. could have gone pendulum, either one of those would have been great follow-ups.
3: Okay. All right. I'm into it. <clears throat> and then we'll do. Let's go with alone.
2: Fantastic call there. Um, I don't know how many this is, by the way. No, we're going to throw one more B-side in there and attack okay. on sad.
1: I like it. All right, we'll consider. I don't know where we're at, but we'll we'll consider this the end of end of the first set. Uh, Got
3: to go, RVM. Good call. Um, right, so fir- first first encore song. Um, we'll go dance here. Oh, okay. From dance, we'll go with. Um, Black. Let's say we have two more each. Okay. Um, well, I mean, alive is going to be
2: there, right? So I, I if, we won't finish with alive, but we'll we'll, we'll put alive on there.
3: Okay. Uh, uh, I'll put in. Um, hard to imagine. Another good one. Immortality. Oh man!
1: So one more each, right? Or no, that that was your last one. So what do we call? No, we'll do with? one more.
3: One more. Okay, so <clears throat> two more for me, one more for you. So I'll go with um I'll go with breath. I'm trying to think if there's an album we really haven't touched maybe, on. Maybe there's the a song before the band. Ooh. Okay. We'll mm-hmm. do. Chloe Dancer. With there she of thoughts. is. That's the one I was looking for.
1: <laughs> and then we'll end it with. Uh, uh, or hunger strike.
3: Know. I could have gone out of one of those really, but yeah.
1: oh, you know, what? I'm going to end with indifference. Beautiful choice. Oh, there it is. We did it. It's I, I don't know 23, shot. but that was close to 23.
2: Yeah, yeah. Good. Didn't good shot. Someone, someone write that one down. Yeah, that was fun. Me.
1: Yeah. All right. Uh, last question from chill Mickelson. What's up? Chill on Twitter. In the spirit of the shopworn, who alive or dead would you want to have dinner with? Question Which say four musicians alive or dead would you most want to share a campfire with for stories and acoustic tunes?
3: Oh, man. Um, well, <laughs> that is oh. fucking brutal. But oh, I mean, obviously, man.
2: Ed's one of them. Ed's got to be four one. or five, f- five musicians. Four,
1: four musicians. Four. I'm with you. I'm one with you. It's got to be one of them.
2: Uh I, there's going to be a Beatle on here for sure. So it's a, either Paul or John, huh? So I'm going to go Paul. Okay. Just cuz I I also uh, like that choice, by the way. Time. Yeah, yeah. I like um, Paul too. I'm going to go Jimmy Page. Uh I was going I was going to go Zeppelin next, um, <laughs> but I I I, I was going to probably lean more John Bonham or Plant there, but uh um we'll go Robert Plant on this one. So, so you're to plant.
1: Me. So I'm going to go Jimmy. It,
2: yeah, exactly.
1: Okay. And then
3: the fourth. So it's for can, can stories and acoustic tunes. I mean, alive or dead. Fuck it. Robert Johnson. Think of Michael the story has. Michael Jackson. Oh, see, that's a good choice too.
1: My goodness. I mean, this, and you know what? I feel, let's do one more. We got to pick a pick. A, get a lady in there. Idiot. I mean, I did, didn't think I'm going to go with. Um, this an easy one for me on that front. Uh, I mean, I'm trying to, there's a few I'm, I'm humming and hawing over.
3: I guess I'll go Aretha. Oh, it's a good choice. I'm going
2: to go. Uh, Billy holiday. And if she's not available, dinosaur
1: if she's not available <laughs> in this ridiculous hypothetical
2: yeah
1: i love it um thank you everybody for those questions we'll do this again sometime that was fun uh <laughs> especially concerning the circumstances with paul's voice and his house is <laughs> under duress and construction and shit so not yeah. ideal circumstances but here we are uh we appreciate you guys for sending those in we move on now though to our lyric of the week Alright, lyric of the week. It's uh it's not from an album per se, but it is from the no-code sessions. It's
0: Dead Man. So-
1: Dead Man.
3: What do you got for this one? It's a tricky
2: song. You know, it's um, written for a soundtrack, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, or at least plucked, plucked out for one. I've always found these lyrics, to, the, this song, I should say, to be too muted for me. There are people that adore this song. Um, it, it's one that I've, I've had trouble... It, it, how I say this, it doesn't demand um, to be listened to over and over again, like a lot of songs in the catalog. <clears throat> but I, I do love the lyrics here. Sailing on my every step, inching off of the earth, is magnified by the things I've done. The thing I've become. Mm. Every lift of my hand um, is magnified by the things I've done. I like this idea that, that this, this culpability, this accountability, the Responsibility—that
3: the, the, we are a um, we
2: are a sum of the choices that we have made, and that it's 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 what defines us. But extending beyond that, um, it also defines the impact that we had on others,
3: and um, that that opening line
2: sailing on my every step, inching off of the earth it's just it, it's it's you're on the precipice of death and you're you're trying to comprehend the magnitude of the choices you have made because the depth and breadth by which they have extended so far beyond you into the lives and the connections of those lives to others is uh it, it's it's almost limitless <clears throat> so I think I've always been taken with the scope or pardon me the scope of of the lyrics here,
1: yeah. it's um it's definitely for me, it's creepy but also brilliant how Ed um can paint the picture of someone who knows that their end is near <clears throat> And well, I he's, get, get, he's got
2: back, I mean, footsteps and once, and I mean, you know, there's a whole trilogy and he's of songs really that good set at him this. Up this. Yeah, he's
1: really good at this, and it, I, I get a lot of death row vibes, but maybe that's a little too on the nose. Um, you know, to have your life reduced to a few poor decisions, people really ruin their lives, their legacies, if they even have just one, you know, mistake. And you think about you know drunk drivers that accidentally run a light and kill someone, or you think about let's say um a home invader, but instead of shooting the home invader, you realize you've just like shot and killed your son or daughter who came home from college early to surprise you or some you know, some ridiculous story. Um and even people who are are surely going to the figurative electric chair, those those who make a decision that totally kills their career or a relationship and there's no way to like walk it back. The, the damage has been done, you know. And and the way Ed describes this inner monologue is incredible. And Stone agreed, saying it was one of the his favorite set of lyrics, and couldn't believe that it didn't make the Dead Man soundtrack, the Man Walking soundtrack, or No Code. Like he just couldn't fathom this. And that's at the time. This this is being his one of his favorite sets of lyrics. That's incredible. You know, there there is regret. In these lyrics and regret so strong, it's such a strong, um, emotion to feel. I guess you can call it an emotion, um, an acknowledgement of one's consequence. It, it, it's an acceptance of fate, and that acceptance has led to a soul detachment. You know, the subject spiritually is no longer connected to their body, or that's at least how I see this. It's a strong powerful song from ed in a very subdued musically and performed vocally track that just kind of is almost forgotten about in pearl jam lore. and so is it super dynamic no but when you think about a song that comes and goes as we mentioned before you see where it came from this was like a seed that grew into the, the plant that became a song that comes and goes. So I think it's just listen as a song. I'm, not, I'm it's not the greatest thing in the world. It's, it's fairly average as far as a whole piece is concerned. But if you break it down and dial into like this specific set of lyrics, for example, and what what is able to pull out of such a minimalistic thing, pretty damn cool. I agree. I want to know what you guys think about dead man. It's it's again, it's not a popular song in the catalog. It's not a um, very often thought of song in the catalog, but you know, a lot of you listening are as nerdy as we are. And maybe for some of you, it is a top five song. I don't know. Maybe let us know in the comments below, uh, wherever you're finding the link for this thing, Instagram or Twitter or whatever. And tell us what you think about dead man. For now, though, we are going to move on to the live cut of the week.
4: Ready to stand up! All
1: right, Paul. Dead man. Technically, according to our friends at LiveFootsteps.org, there are 21 performances. However, so many of them were preset performances where Ed goes out and plays a couple of songs before the opening band. And generally, not generally, always, those are not soundboard recorded. And often yeah. the sound quality is not good at all. um So that limits us down to like under 10 that really, really work for us. Where are we going?
4: Yeah.
2: I mean, it's, uh, I really like August 2nd, 07 in Chicago, but it's tough to be just how clean and crisp and intimate uh, Ben Royal right. Hall is so i think uh october 22nd 2003 is uh, our destination
1: I mean, there's a different guitar tone. I think maybe he has got like a, like one of those resonator guitars or some sort of acoustic here as opposed to, or maybe it's an electric that's just vastly the, the, different. The fuzzy. Yeah, there's something different about this performance than, than whatever guitar he chose yeah, yeah. Uh, in Chicago. And I like it more. Um, I think his performance vocally is just really, really solid. There's no... Um, mess ups on the guitar it's really clean in that regard it's like it's like they were practicing for this performance as opposed to saying you know what let's just pull this thing out um so i'm with you i I think this is probably the best performance of of the not so many that we've gotten and i will say paul not to toot my own horn but i have seen this song once really yes it it was a part of uh the july 14th 2003 show in homedale new jersey which was the last domestic stop on that tour um so that is pretty cool
2: well lucky you yeah lucky me speaking of lucky you 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 may have some exciting things coming up in the works in the in the oh, next few weeks Should I announce that now should i announce nah, that? no no nah, 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 nah. we'll let's, announce we, it maybe we next want week. a note of suspense <laughs>
1: <laughs> so uh this was episode 149 guys we appreciate you for listening to this bad boy um there is a real bad boy Joining us, I don't know why I called them that, uh, next week for the 150th episode. Um, you'll find out soon enough who that is. oh the tease continues. My goodness. Well, this gentleman uh has been around the band for a number of years, uh, uh and in some instances very close, uh, in so much as helping them to make music. They will be joining us next week uh, for a fun interview and uh, maybe then uh, I will announce um, well I've actually already sort of announced it before but maybe you haven't noticed that uh, in a couple weeks there'll be something going on up in Seattle that I may be a part of I don't know we'll see there you go guys that's the episode again we really appreciate you guys listening and communicating on all the social channels discord, twitter, facebook, instagram snail mail whatever you got Um, anybody who's bought one of those brand new t-shirts we appreciate you guys and showing them off you guys look fantastic in them Um, patrons of course we appreciate you guys what else Paul?
2: just immense gratitude for the community feeding the algorithm so it doesn't eat us
1: (laughs) (laughs) so it doesn't eat (laughs) us All right. well this has been a, uh, a, a fun episode to do I
2: enjoyed this we gotta do this again sometime
1: yeah 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 and uh, next week will be a lot of fun. We can't wait to have you guys along. To uh,
2: these questions to were fantastic, Jason.
1: They, they, hey, I had to carve through some. Yeah. I, left, I left a few yeah. out that 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 just didn't quite make the uh, the length cut. Well, but, I had um, the st-
2: tip of the cap to every yeah. single one of our listeners yeah. for for such a fantastic array of preguntas. Ooh, mm-hmm. we are a bilingual show now. <laughs>
1: Thank you for listening. And until next week on the 150th episode, you have been listening to.
2: A state of love and trust.